0: Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forthelove for the love today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash for the love.
1: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. Hey guys, welcome to
0: the For the Love podcast special bonus series, Quarantine Queens, which we are all trying to become in this strange world that we find ourselves in right now. I hope that you are holding up okay in your neck of the woods. I think about you constantly. Let's see, right now in the Hatmaker House, I think it's safe to say that we are ready to be done self-isolating. The teens are at the edge of stir crazy, as so many of us are. But while we're still waiting through this pandemic, I have invited some of the best thinkers and leaders and practitioners I know to come on the show and guide us through all the things to get us through. So we put together this bonus series in addition to the regular For the Love podcast series. Just to serve you right now in this weird time. So we have on financial experts and emotional health experts and spiritual directors and leaders, or like today's guest will show us a book expert, right? Some of us are like, I need a place to go with my mind. I have more time to read maybe, or I just need this to nourish my soul. I need something like good books to really kind of see me through right now. So, I have the greatest guest for this. My guest today is Ann Bogle, who you probably know. She's been on before. I like to call her the queen of books, and that's completely true. She's an author. She is the creator of the lifestyle site Modern Mrs. Darcy, which is a blog dedicated to all things literary. And she's the host of What Should I Read Next podcast, which is exactly what it sounds like. So, In addition to this, Anne has just put out a great book to help us get through this moment. It's called, well, it's called Don't Overthink It, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. Isn't that just right on the spot? She obviously is providing a service. She did not anticipate at this exact moment. And she just talks about the places that we are stuck in really unhealthy, unproductive loops of worry and overthinking. So honestly, really useful. So we're going to talk about that today. And then she has some fantastic suggestions. I wish you could see my paper. I took notes while we were talking on book suggestions, online places where we can check out books and audio that also support local bookstores. Like this is such a great resource today. I can't, I'm so happy that you're here to listen to it. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Ann Bogle. Hi. Hi. I'm so happy to be talking to you on the phone. Welcome to Quarantine Queens series.
2: Oh, thank you. It's the series I didn't know I wanted, Jen.
0: Same. <laughs> oh, gosh, what a world! Oh, it's so nice. I was telling my husband yesterday that I am so looking forward to recording these episodes because it's so nice to talk to someone. I was so happy to hear your voice when you just popped on Skype. I was like, "Oh, there's Anne. There's her voice. Yay!" And I want to say that I'm an introvert. I work from home all the time, but it still feels like a different world, and I. Hear you, it's absolute same. you and I are the same person in that, and I have an office like at my house in its own little separate space, and I like to be home. I'm a home person, but still, I think the fact that I cannot have any other choices and and I haven't talked to anybody except for the people that live here, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh, man. so you're just trucking along. your work day still looks like a work day to you, right?
2: Well, I mean, just like you, we have our own society at home of two adults, four kids, and a lab who still thinks she's a puppy. Oh, Daisy. So it's the
0: same, but it is not at all the same. I know exactly what you mean. Tell me more. Like tell everybody a little bit more about your family and what's going on in your ecosystem and what are your days look like right now? Do you have a routine? How's Daisy doing with all the people at home? <laughs> I think
2: the reason it might be so hard is because it does feel enough the same that I have the same expectations and then I just end up mad and disappointed, but I have four kids. Well, I'm married to Will. We've been married almost 20 years. We live in Louisville, Kentucky, where the sun is shining today and it's going to be 70 glory. Hallelujah. Oh, yay. Oh, yay for you. But I have four kids at four different schools. They are ages 10 to 17. They are doing radically different versions of online, make it up as you go. We didn't anticipate doing distance learning, schooling. Jen, it is a gong show. I mean, it's just chaos and confusion.
0: (laughs) Same here. It's
2: generally like lighthearted chaos and confusion, except when somebody really, I think is tempted to like hurl their laptop across the room. That hasn't happened yet. I won't say that it won't, but the dog is really just basking in this. Although I got to tell you, we've been doing our church online. So during like the singing and the homily. She just lay down, chill on her bed. And she's like, oh, my people are here on Sunday morning. I'm not in my crate. This is amazing. But then we all stood up to say the creed and she just started barking and going crazy and chasing her tail. She's like, what is happening? This is not normal.
0: Oh my gosh. Oh, little small moments of laughter. I think that's what's going to get us through here. I have five kids, you know, and four of them are here. And so this is really just today. My kids are getting their distance learning, online learning learning instructions online the teachers are just uploading those today and so it's just going to be a whole new world and i anticipate a lot of like disgruntlement in the ranks i already is your 17 year old a senior or a junior
2: oh he's a junior and my heart goes out to all the seniors i feel really fortunate i mean counting the small blessings that nobody is in their final year at a school oh
0: that's true i've got two seniors here oh that's have, so hard jen i know i have a senior in college and a senior in high school but my senior in high school was already over school and so I was like, "Okay, son, tomorrow your teachers are sort of uploading your first, you know, set of lessons for online." He's like, "Oh, I don't think I'm going to do that." I'm like, "Oh, no you are. <laughs> like you are going to do that." So, I'm sorry this wasn't an optional moment in the program. I don't know what you were thinking's going on here. It's not summer.
2: Oh man, talk about be careful what you wish for. I mean, great. You plans. know, You've
0: got senioritis and you want to be done right now. You just wait. <laughs> totally. I mean, I don't want to have to motivate him. I wanted the teachers to do that. So yeah, we're we're with you exactly over here. Okay, so it's obviously not a stretch to say, and I said this in the intro, you're the queen of books. It's just a fact. You are. You always know the best books on the horizons or the ones that we should have added to our read pile a long time ago. So. I want to know and the listeners want to know, because not everybody has freed up time right now, but a lot of people do, that their time looks very differently, working from home looks differently. And so if we wanted, say, a really great book to escape into right now, can you give us a few suggestions? Like, we want to be taken out of this place. We want want our head in brand new space to be like delighted or intrigued or just whatever.
2: Yes. First of all, I want to say that I am a huge reader. I will wear that title. Thank you very much. And yet, for the first couple of weeks that we were all dealing with this brand new pandemic world, my reading went down a lot. It did not increase at all. And I'm saying that as someone who reads all the time. So, grace for wherever you are in your life and your reading life.
0: Thanks for saying that. Mine did too. And I can't put my finger on it because I'm a big reader too. And I think I just freaked and I froze. I thought, well, I guess we'll just watch movies together at night. I think I was trying to keep everybody in the room. Maybe I'm not sure, but I've just now picked back up my books too.
2: But if you are looking for a good book right now, some people are really leaning into the whole global situation. And they're like, you know what? I've been putting off station 11 for years and I'm going to read it now. have to say that's a totally different pandemic. So if the thought of that doesn't freak you out, then you may enjoy reading that story because it's set in the wake of a global pandemic. But the story is about a lot more than that. But I don't think that's what you meant. In times like this, I really love books that have like soul and substance, but still resound with hope and joy and love. And when it comes to hitting that sweet spot between like, meaty thoughtful novel and something that feels really lighthearted even if it's addressing heavy stuff. I love the work of Marisa De Los Santos Oh, so me too.
0: Much. I've put her on so many favorite lists.
2: I'm so glad to hear that. Well, and we got to talk to her for book club a couple years ago and she's a poet. She's been highly trained. She knows how to use her words, but she says, "You know what? The world is really hard, and I don't want to add a bunch of like fictional struggle to people's plates." So, in her novels, fiction is driven forward by conflict. Like that's how plots work. So sad stuff happens, but it's always an obstacle to the joy and the love that you know is waiting at the end. And she believes in true love and she believes that love wins. And oh, I just love her work so much. And if you had to start someplace, I'd say start with Love Walked In But you totally don't have to. I love I'll Be Your Blue Sky, which would be the third book in that very loose series that came out two years ago. And she has another one coming out in May 2020 called I'd Give Anything. I saw that. I've already gotten to read it. It's a lot of fun. I don't know what's going to unseat her original characters from Love Walked Into My Heart, but it was a nice book to escape to. You can escape into the world of somebody else's problems these days. A
0: hundred percent. I give a hearty here, here on the Marissa suggestion. Her writing is just a delight. I love her. She's a writer's writer. And then these beautiful stories. That's a great suggestion. Okay. Any others? Yeah.
2: Okay. So on the brain recently, I've had Amy Popel, who's, I think she's a New York City writer. Her books have been set there. I got to tell you, I just finished her new novel, Musical Chairs. It comes out in July. It's set in the world of classical musicianship. But going back to a fun, smart, but escapist novel, she had one come out a couple of years ago called Limelight. And it's about a 40-something mom of three who gets in a fender bender and basically ends up becoming Justin Bieber's surrogate mom. It's not Justin Bieber. It's a character like that, like a highly successful pop star who's been left to his own devices. You know, technically grown-up, but not at all, and just really needs a maternal figure in his life. So she steps in as his manager slash mom. And makes things happen. Still really happy and hopeful, even though, of course, they go through hard stuff because that's how fiction works. And there's the whole Broadway angle. And I just love reading about the theater. I don't know a ton about the theater. I haven't seen a ton of shows, maybe five in my entire life, or at least in New York. Maybe ten if I count the ones I've seen now. So I don't know a ton about
0: this, but it's so fun to read about. I'm reminded right now, listening to you, that this is how I behaved the first time you were on the podcast, which was, I just put a piece of paper next to my computer and a pen. and writing down everything you say. And the last time we did this, I had a laundry list and then I gave all my money to books. Those are fantastic suggestions. Thank you for that. Because you know what we can still do? Read and we can still get books even. It's one of those small little pleasures that are still available to us. Okay. Give us some ideas for our kids. So they're just not staring at screens all the live long day and they have some good books to put into their brains.
2: Okay. So 10 to 17, I'm going to start with the youngest because my 10 year old is so hard to keep in books because the books he loves, he just reads so darn quickly. He did get hooked on the Artemis Fowl series and that slowed him down a little bit. So shout out to any parents. If you find one book and they love it, then you get like eight more. It feels like such a bargain for the picking books for your kids because it's hard work to keep your kids in books. You're right. I brought the Timmy Failure series home from book tour. The kind people at RJ Julia in Connecticut said, if your kid loves the Mac B Kid Spy series, Timmy Failure is the next great read for them. And it's another series that has seven or eight books. So I brought home books one and two. And that was like three weeks ago. And he's already read them all. But it was a good three-week run.
0: Okay, that's great. Listen, we'll take three weeks right now. I mean, we're going to take any suggestions you have. So that's for kind of the 10-year-old-ish reader. Right around yeah, there. like eight to 10. Uh huh. Okay. Also, we love Matt Marnett,
2: who does children's books and he also does graphic novels. The Terrible Two series is also fantastic. You can get a couple days out of those if they're just glued to the couch with no assigned schoolwork. For my middle schooler, she loves realistic middle grade fiction. So, like Holly Goldberg Sloan. Kate Camillo, She's reading The Hate You Give for the first time right now. That's been a lot of family dinnertime conversation. And we just picked up a book called Chirp by Kate Meisner at our local indie, and she's really enjoying that. It hits the same kind of vibes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, great suggestions. Anything slightly north of that for the high school crew?
2: Yeah, my young teen is rereading the Selection series. I think she's gone straight to the comfort reads. And again, that's a five book series that has another book or two of short stories. And the author, Kira Cass has another book that I think is a standalone coming out this May. So you can just keep rolling into more by the author. I also love Julie Buxbaum, maybe for like seven, eighth graders. It depends on your kids. Mine are probably a little young for that, but I know they're reading them. But young high schoolers, I love, love, love. Julie Buxbaum, Tell Me Three Things is my favorite. But she has a book about the college admission scandal coming out in May called Admission. That is a lot of fun. And so my older reader, he is making his way through an assigned extra credit book for school. He's taking AP History, which it's a class that kicks your butt. So what his teacher does is assign these massive books that you write papers on to boost your grade with a little extra credit. But Jen, listen to this. So the book he's been reading since a couple months ago, since before this whole thing started, is called Freedom from Fear, The American People in Depression and War from 1929
0: to 1929. Whoa, that's a little on the nose. Yeah. He loves it. I mean, he loves that kind of reading. I do too. I am absolutely fascinated with American history, and I particularly love it at the turn of the century, and I can't get enough of it. Freedom from Fear. Okay, so that is a big tome. For people who like to read like that, which would include myself. But I thought that was too ironic not to share. I mean, that's very, very on the nose for sure. Listeners, so thrilled to tell you about one of my absolute favorite new sponsors who's doing so much good in the world right now. International Justice Mission is the largest anti-slavery organization in the whole world. They work to rescue people out of slavery and sex trafficking, and they walk survivors all the way until they are thriving in freedom. I went to Rwanda four or five years ago, and I cannot tell you how impressed I was. Like, I was flattened in my seat at how capable and smart and effective the IJM team is Mobilized all around the world. Their stories remind us right now that on the other side of tragedy is hope. I'm going to share one with you right now. Mukta, M U K T A, she was 18 when she was exploited into the sex trade by someone in her community in South Asia. So she was trapped in that kind of abuse for over a year. But IJM and the local authorities there helped rescue her from a brothel. And that is when her story of hope began. So today, Mukta has been, this is so great, happily married for five years to Sanjay. And she met him when they worked together at a bag-making shop. Mukta stays home to take care of their young son and hopes to open a bakery of her own someday so she can support her family and help her son get like an incredible education. And I love it. So stories like Mukta give me so much hope and they're going to give you hope too. Go to ijm.org slash share hope now to watch more stories of hope for yourself. And I would love for you to share them with your friends. We need to see hope and love and justice and mercy in action right now in the world. So you can watch it all at IJM.org share hope now and pass these around to your friends and family on your socials today. They'll be so, so glad to see it too. Hey everybody, back to our show. Let's talk about this because you are a fantastic writer in your own right. You're not only a reader, you are also a writer and an author. And speaking of on the nose, you just released a brand new book. It's weirdly timely for a pandemic called Don't Overthink It. I mean, of course, you did not anticipate this when you wrote it a year and a half or two years ago. But golly, what a message that we need right now. Can you tell us a little bit about it and specifically how you're using its message right now?
2: Yeah. So when we talk about overthinking, we're not saying that serious thoughts don't merit serious reflection and that it's not right to spend a ton of time thinking about the things that we need to or that we want to. We're talking about those times when we lavish mental energy on things that just do not deserve it. You know, like when you can't seem to think about anything else, even though you know your thoughts would be better spent elsewhere. So I wrote this because overthinking is something I struggle with as a human being and especially as a woman. And the book does not have like a heavy let's address anxiety focus at all. It's not written with that in mind. I have a liberal arts degree. I don't have the background to write a book like that. I did have PTSD after 9-11 and my doctor made this offhanded comment during one of my initial consults with him after I started having panic attacks in my sleep after I got back safe and sound to the United States. And he said, look, like I'm not the expert here. You're going to go need to find some things out. But I know that when you're facing a situation like this, your thoughts can be the enemy or you can make them your ally. If you can learn to make them your ally, it's going to go so much better for you. And I didn't know what he meant, but that just set me down a road of exploration in like a very, this is important. I'm taking this seriously sense. But on the other side, like, I'm a woman who lives in this world, who goes out to girls night. And you know what we talk about? We talk about the things we're overthinking. And it's like kind of a fun conversation, even though of course we don't want to be doing it. So I, I had those two disparate things in mind when I was writing this. But what I really have discovered is that overthinking is so sneaky and it takes so many different forms than I realized at first. Sometimes it looks like worry. We know that. We lay awake at night wondering all kinds of horrible, terrible things, or wondering what people said about us. Sometimes it looks like rumination where our thoughts just seem to be stuck on the hamster wheel and we can't get off. Sometimes it looks like fretting the small stuff where we're devoting disproportionate amounts of mental energy to things that just really don't require it. And sometimes it looks like regret and second-guessing ourselves, So regardless of what we're talking about, the common thread here is that these thoughts are repetitive, unhealthy, and unhelpful. It's exhausting to think this way. It makes us feel really crappy. Yeah, our brains just work really hard, but they don't accomplish anything. And at first I thought that overthinking was just, you know, like a nuisance and you'd rather not do it because it's kind of annoying, like a fly buzzing in your kitchen. But I've really come to believe that it's more serious than that because We only have so much mental energy to spend each day. It's not a limitless resource. And so when we spend our times overthinking, that carries a significant opportunity cost. When we spend our time overthinking, that's what we're doing with our minutes, with our hours, with our days. And we are not able to
0: focus on the things that really matter because there's just not enough of us left. Mm, It's so true. I'm sitting here listening to you talk and I woke up as if on cue. I'm at big time Enneagram three. So my day brain is very busy. It's productive. It's creating. It's in go mode. It's in produce mode. It's in execute mode. But my night brain has time for all the worrying and the overthinking. And so I wake up in the three o'clock hour, like clockwork. And I was laying in bed last night, just wide awake, worrying about something I literally cannot control. And I don't even want to. And it was so unproductive. And so to your point, it wasn't neutral. Like I lost probably an hour and a half of sleep last night and I need my sleep right now. And so I'm sorry. I know. I just, what you're saying is feels so familiar. And I just almost don't know a woman who wasn't probably nodding when you were explaining those different ways to overthink. It's so common. Give us like one or two hacks or tricks or tools that we can use when we find ourselves in those loops.
2: Sure. So when you're talking about sleeping at night, my First bit of advice that works to my audience of many readers is read a little bit of a novel before you go to bed and then focus on their fictional problems and not your own.
0: It's a great trick.
2: If you can go back over in your mind thinking... What are they going through? How are they feeling? What's going to happen next? What's their neighborhood like again? Just trying to visualize something else. Really what that is, is it's a way to do something that's called changing the channel. If you imagine that your thoughts are keyed in with really high reception to a radio channel or a Netflix show, and you decided, you know what? I don't want to watch this right now. So you turn the dial, visualize yourself turning to something else. You can't just stop thinking about something. You have to replace those thoughts with something else. So hit the channel up button, decide what you're going to watch instead, and key
0: into that. It's great. We have the capacity to do that. It feels really simple, but sometimes when I'm stuck, I can't find the edge of the room. And so that is just a really incredibly useful tip. I'm thankful for that. And everybody, you can find, you know, this book just online, which is still available to all of us, which is a nice reprieve from being stuck at home. I know I am and I bet you are too. We're thinking about our small local businesses. Gosh, I have so many friends who are small business owners and work in industries that are just sort of closed right now i like, how do we keep some of these places afloat when we can't go visit them and go patron their places? And indie bookstores are one of those small businesses that are beloved by us, for sure, in your community also. And so any thoughts on how we can support those kind of gathering places, keep them going, even when we can't really gather and shop right now? Any ideas?
2: Yes. Of course, as a writer who is supposed to be going to lots of these small businesses on book tour, as we speak, the indie bookstores have a place in my heart, but this is true for any small business that exists anywhere. And also I want to acknowledge that Lots of us are hard up financially right now, and that's okay, but there's still things you can do. Some of the simple things you can do for any small business is like them on Facebook, follow them on Instagram. When you like their posts, it increases their engagement and it tells Instagram people want to see this and it shows it to more people. And that's money they don't have to spend on advertising. It builds goodwill, it shows that the store exists to other people. That's something you can do so that when their doors do open, they'll be able to serve them again. You can subscribe to their newsletter and keep informed. what is happening in their world and when they'll be open for business again hopefully sooner rather than later but specifically to independent bookstores some are still fulfilling orders either out of a skeleton crew in their back room through the post office that's what my local bookstore is doing as we speak right now which is great because i don't know that the big online retailers are delivering books right now but i know my local indie has a ton of signed copies so i've just been sending people that way saying they're open they would love your business Please get it from them.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And and you're right. There are a lot of those that are still doing like curbside service. And, you know, with a lot of careful parameters built in, we could be surprised the, the links to which some of our little indie places are going right now to keep serving their community and just like a plan B, C, and D at this point. So, yeah, I know. And I thank you for those great suggestions. So, also, there are digital only
2: ways that don't require humans to go to work and touch things where you can actually support them with cash. If you get an audiobook subscription through a service called Libro FM, a portion of every purchase you make through that site supports the independent bookstore of your choice. Oh, that's so great. It is. It's great. Whether it's the one right there in your community or it's the one you've always wanted to visit across the country, you designate your indie bookstore and they get a portion of every purchase. And they've done some really special things to support independent bookstores right now, like giving them vastly more Cash out of that initial purchase than they do when we're not in wild times like this. There's also an online site called bookshop.org where every purchase you make is fulfilled by an independent bookstore and benefits an independent bookstore. And Hummingbird is a fairly new platform that I'm getting the hang of myself, but it's called Hummingbird and it's a platform on which you can buy ebooks and support local independent bookstores instead of like big online retailers.
0: I'm so happy you just said those. I didn't know any of those. And what a wonderful way to still support the local guy and get books into our ears and into our hands. That's just fantastic. If you don't
2: have cash, then don't spend the cash. Oh, you know who else would really love your patronage right now is your local library. They spend a lot of money on ebooks and audiobooks that don't require people to fulfill. And of course, the selection is different by community, but they'd love to see you reading and still using their services, even if their doors are closed. And that benefits publishers, that benefits authors. If you're a reader, it still benefits the people and the causes you love. A lot of people think, oh, if I get it from the library, it doesn't count.
0: Libraries buy a crap ton of books. They sure do. Our local library is also fulfilling checkouts at the curb, so it's very careful, and they're like, "We're going to come in through the passenger side window. Needs to be empty." And but you can, you know, you can do all that online. You can check your books out or your audiobooks, and that is a great suggestion, which also is helpful for people right now who are kind of financially unstable or in peril of some sort, or just simply being cautious. And so we don't have to stop reading. Those are great suggestions. Okay, let's wrap it up here. Asking these questions of our incredible guest in this quarantine series, here's the first one for you personally. Have you discovered a practice or a habit that you've started during this social isolation season that is keeping you really grounded? Jen, it is walking the dog, something that's been
2: good for me, like at all times, but In my regular life, I walk a kid to school with Daisy and then I just fit it in when I can. But like she's been getting two a day walks because I just need to get outside and get some fresh air and a change of scenery and honestly, a little bit of quiet.
0: I hear you loud and clear.
2: I thought you might.
0: Right. And just walk down the middle of the street, just the, just you and the dog. It's so great. And as you mentioned, there's a little silver lining right now, at least for parts of the country, in that we're really turning into spring. So our weather's really pretty right now. And the sun is out and the leaves are coming back and the birds are singing. And it does a wonder for my mental health too, just to be walking outside in sunshine. It feels incredible. How about this? Now that you are home, 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 Do you have a lingering project that you might like finally get around to tackling? Well, this isn't going to last me through the whole situation, but
2: my spice drawer and overflow cabinet, which holds more than the spice drawer itself holds, has been a disaster since we moved like three years ago. And I keep saying, I'm going to clean that up some weekend. And I'm like 75% of the way through this project already.
0: Oh, it feels so it good. It does. It feels so good. There is nothing better than a cleaned out drawer or cabinet or closet. When I do that, we're doing that stuff right now too. I'll just walk in at random times during the day and just look at it. Like I'll just <laughs> open the door and just have a look.
2: <laughs> so proud. You made order from Chaos. Like that's powerful right now.
0: That's it. It's one little thing to control. Okay, last question. You've answered this for me before and you can answer it any which way you want to answer it. But it's Barbara Brown Taylor's question. What is saving your life right now?
2: Okay. I'm going to go toward the decidedly less soulful end of the spectrum, but jigsaw puzzles are totally saving me. There's something that requires, well, first you can do them when your kids are watching a terrible show. You want to be together for family community, but you don't want to stare at the show. I won't call it out, but we just suffered through a terrible movie that I'm sure a lot of your readers have had to see. But the thing about these is if they're the right balance of difficult, your brain needs to be engaged to work on them. But it's a different kind of work, or a different kind of thought than you've been doing the rest of the day. And that's just such a nice, calming break for me.
0: It's absolutely the same. We've got one completed on the table. And I sent an SOS text to my best friends who live like within 60 seconds. And I'm like, who's got a puzzle that you can leave on your doorstep for me? We need a new one. Our family, we obsess, we power through. We, once we start, we're locked in until we have finished it. And so it is a way to kill an afternoon if, if everybody is just absolutely bored out of their minds. So. Oh, I love that.
2: We called our local bookstore this week and I was like, okay, weird question. You see me all the time, but now I can't walk in the door. What's on your puzzle shelves? Do you have anything? (laughs) So we got three delivered to our doorstep. But also yesterday we had a social distancing puzzle swap. Friends of ours, bless them, brought my daughter over a birthday card. So she and her friend like waved at each other from eight feet away and they set it down on the porch step, but we swapped We swapped some puzzles because we have done all ours. We're redoing a 1500 New York one right now, and they were in the same boat. So I'm so happy to have a few
0: brand new, new to me puzzles. Yeah, new to you. My friends and I did that too, about 10 or 12 of us this week. We called it Front Porch Marketplace. And we all just put stuff out there, books puzzles, clothes, whatever. It's new to you and you can have it. And so we're just, and plus it's nice to have a little field trip and just drive in your car somewhere. And so we zipped around each other's front porches and took things and shared things and swapped things. We're getting real creative here in this new world. I love
2: it. And you know what else? I didn't realize how much I missed talking with someone who wasn't a neighbor. So it's like, oh, I know you. Look, voice to voice, not the phone, not FaceTime, not email. It was nice.
0: Yeah, totally. And thank you so much for freeing up a little bit of time to pop on here and just talk us through some incredible ways we can fill our minds and our hands and our time with good books and good ideas and good content. Everybody now knows that your book is probably going to serve them really, really well during this time as we're really tempted to overthink and worry in unproductive ways. And so people can get that anywhere, right? Anywhere books are sold? Anywhere new books are sold. Yep, that's it, you guys. Okay, my friend, it was great to talk to you. I really love just hearing your voice today. Bright spot in the morning. Thank you. It was good to hear you. Isn't she so delightful? Plus, her voice is so soothing and lovely. I told her that the first time she was on, that I wish she would just speak to me on the regular. I love, love Anne's voice. I loved finding out some of those online resources. You know, I've got a book coming out here in a couple of weeks called Fierce, Free, and Full of Fire, and it would thrill me to discover that some of you have ordered it through Libro or bookshop.org or Hummingbird, where you can not only get this book that I know is going to serve you right now, I can't wait to put it in your hands, but would also support local bookstores. Expect to see that information plastered all over my internet pages now. And thank you to Anne for those incredible suggestions and recommendations and ideas. That literally put a little gas in my tank today, you guys, and I hope it did yours too. And listen, I don't know if you heard the news, but I am delighted to tell you two things. Number one, the April 14th in-person live event has been rescheduled for September 9th in Dallas. Same venue, September 9th. And most importantly to everybody listening, number two, the April 14th event is also going to be transformed into a webcast, which will be coming straight to your screen on April 30th, April 30th. And my lovely special guests that we're going to hang out with this, Brene Brown and Angela Johnson will still be joining us for the webcast. The greatest women and now so many more of you are going to get to experience this. So how do you join the webcast? Fun. Super easy, you guys. First, if you already bought a ticket to the Dallas event, you're in, okay? Second, if you've pre-ordered my new book, Fierce, Free, and Full of Fire, in any format, any vendor, you're in. And third, if you're in the Jen Hatmaker Book Club, you're in. So all you have to do is go to genhatmaker.com/ slash fierce event and register for the webcast. So easy. You have to register even if you're in one of those categories. That's just kind of how the platform works. So go register. And if you're not eligible for the webcast yet, we want to have you. We would love to have you. So to be eligible, you can either buy tickets to the rescheduled live event on September 9th or just pre-order the book pre-order, fierce, free, and full of fire, any vendor, any format, and then boom, go register for the webcast. That's it. That's how you get in. So how fantastic is this? How fantastic is this? We are so excited to bring this to you. You can do all of these things at jinhatmaker.com slash fierce event more to come. These are dropping Quarantine Queens episodes are coming out every Monday and Friday. And then our regular For the Love podcast episodes release on Wednesdays. And that series right now is Absolute Fire. It's the Fierce Free and Full of Fire series, which we had already loaded with like absolute top drawer guests. And so it's all the podcast all the time for you from me right now. Hope you're enjoying them. Love to my community. See you soon. Thank mm-hmm. you.